Hello, welcome to season three of Intellicast. It's kind of crazy we're on season three. Take that, Jamin. I don't think Jamin's done a season three yet. I don't think so. And Seema, I don't I don't think she's done a season three yet. That Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But anyway, we're on season three of Intellicast, and it's awesome to be back. It's been a long time. Um, as always, you can reach um, Intellicast at Intellicast at EMI-RS.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We'd love to hear, follow, have you follow us on Twitter. It's EMI underscore research or IntelliCast1 on Twitter. And you can also leave us a voicemail or a text. We don't get a lot of voicemails or texts because you can really get like front row topics or guests if you want. But that number is 513-401-5463. Again, uh, you can text us. You can leave a voicemail. 513-401-5463. I'm going to start off the show with just a couple of quick announcements. And the first one is uh, Poll Party. I don't even know what that is. I'm just reading the show notes here. But Poll Party, I don't know what that is, but apparently it's been canceled. Is that, Was that a former podcast of that ours? That was the spinoff. Um, yeah, we have yeah. decided to – Never heard of it. That. I know you don't listen I don't to really it. know what to say about it, but Poll Party is no more. Um, we appreciate everyone that listened and enjoyed Poll Party. Um, I, I guess we're going to kind of roll in some of the segments that we did on Poll Party on the telecast. Um, so if you're a Poll Party fan, and again, I don't know who these listeners are, um, but it'll be you might have some segments on this telecast. It's a very dedicated group. Okay. All right, cool. Second thing I wanted to do, I'm going to read a statement, as you can already tell. Adam Jolly is not on the podcast. This is just me, Brian Lamar. I'm going to read a quick statement. Um, recently, Adam separated from EMI, and we wish him all the best. Um, we plan to continue the podcast with myself and producer Brian, who you've been hearing in the beginning here. And we'll probably do a series of like rotating co-hosts. Um, we have one today. Um, but it's, if you do have any questions, segment suggestions, co-host requests, please direct them to intellicast at emi-rs.com. And one more quick announcement. Hey, new music. Season three, new music. That's right. New music. Prince. We used to do a print segment, but now we have new music. Um, and now I want to introduce our first co-host, and that is uh, from EMI Research Solutions, Tony Brown. Hey, Tony. How you doing? Hey, great. How are you guys doing? All right, man. Doing good. It's about time you've been on the podcast. It took I don't know why it took us till season three to get you on the podcast, but I'm happy to have you. And uh, for those listeners out there, um, maybe tell us about yourself. Like what's your background? How long have you been at EMI? What do you do kind of stuff? Sure. Yeah. I've uh, been at EMI uh, almost 12 years now. So my job is vice president of client services. Uh, I've always been in the sales role here at EMI. Uh, hard to believe it's coming up on 12 years already, but uh, really focusing on helping our our current clients uh, and even growing new accounts here within the company, making sure that uh, we put together the best solutions for any of their data collection needs. Uh, prior to that, though, I have a lot of other corporate experience. I worked in um, the financial services um, sector. I was really more in technology where my background is. Uh, so although I've been in different industries, always had a core focus on technology prior to coming to EMI, uh, doing a lot of uh, um product development, um, even as uh, a lot of web applications, I'm going to really sound old right now, started to come out for more business use, um, doing a lot of uh, uh, consulting with companies to find out what kind of um, business applications they need uh, and how technology, specifically um, web services, can help with that. Um, Then prior to that, in my earlier days, I was more true hands-on coding um, through a lot of website and database development. So I've uh, I've sort of done done it all along that line. And then... uh, uh, came here 
And I've been doing just, again, core focused on sales ever since. Awesome. Thank you. And um, yeah, you've been in the company for a while. I, when I think of you, I think of someone that knows a lot about technology. Does the type of work that you work on, is it a lot of technology-driven type clients or is it not like that? Not like that necessarily. Um, I do work with some of the larger market research firms and a lot of management consulting firms and their needs are uh, all over the board, sometimes regarding technology, sometimes uh, you know a lot of other um, t- types of, of focuses. But um, but my background in technology does help me a lot with, uh, and really just through my consulting, earlier days consulting with technology, just understanding certainly a lot of business processes um, throughout various clients that I've had in the past does help me um, apply that to um, understanding a best potential uh, solution for whatever clients are wanting to, you know, wanting to focus on. Well, cool. Yeah. You, you, as you mentioned, you've been here about 12 years and you're certainly one of the experts in sampling. I think in the entire industry, I learned a lot from you. I've only been here less than seven years. And so, yeah, you're certainly one of the experts. So I'm really happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. It's great to be here. Um, and by the way, you're not in the studio, the Intellicast studio, you're in Indiana. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So I have a question about Indiana. Okay. What's, what time zone is Indiana? I was, <laughs> was going to say, don't ask me what a Hoosier is. That's like a, oh. that's the number one question anybody outside Indiana yeah. asks. Well, yes, yeah, so cross that off. I, I well, here's the reason I'm asking you what time zone it is because I grew up near Indiana, and I don't know if you knew this about me, Tony, but I grew up um, part of my life. I grew up in Owensboro, Kentucky, which is right on the river, and across the river from that in Indiana is Tell City, Indiana, which is close to Evansville, Indiana. Yeah. For most listeners, probably don't know this, but Tony is probably aware of those places. And I had a lot of family that lived across the river. And let me tell you, half the conversations of my life growing up were around time zones. It was either slow time or fast time or what time is it? What time do we have to leave? Because we were right on the border, I think, of the time change. And as well as Indiana was kind of weird with the time zones. Do you have any knowledge of this? <laughs> yes, I do. So I do live in Indiana. I work out of my home uh, up in uh, in a suburb just north of Indianapolis, but uh, born and raised here. I, I did work uh, and live in Cincinnati for about seven years. Uh, but then relocated back here. So yeah, being a, a Hoosier native, if you will, got a lot of experience with that. We didn't, we did not used to recognize daylight savings time. It's only been within the last uh, few years that we started recognizing daylight savings. So that was one weird thing because part of the time we were on Eastern time, part of the time we were on Central as as okay. daylight switched yes. back and forth. So that's one confusing thing. Uh, we're now with whatever 40 i think it's 48 other states that now recognize it but um but another thing too is around the evansville area uh because if you look at you know a map of indiana or look at it you know on the, on the map of the country evansville area is sort of southwest the state kind of dips dips southwest a little bit and so it's um because of that i think evansville is on is on central time and also up in um, northwestern indiana um, like around the Chicago area because we're right on the border and Illinois is on central. So because of just how, you know, the presence and the influence that Chicago has around the Northwestern part of Indiana, even they also stay on central. So, um, yeah, I spend some time in the summertime up at a lake up in Northwestern Indiana. It's crazy. Cause you know, we're on Eastern here and then just all of a sudden you drive across this one little road, uh, the back country road up in Northwest Indiana and you're entering into central time. It's, it's pretty crazy. 
Yeah, growing up, I remember when some days it'd be dark at four thirty, then the next day it'd be dark at five thirty. Mm-hmm. Like, and I wouldn't even travel that far, so it was kind of crazy. Man, a whole new segment about time zones. <laughs> uh, yes, season three, everybody. Oh, well, well, let's move on. Yeah, so yeah, Tony works in Indiana. He's here quite often. He was here yesterday, actually. And so um, let's move on to some current events. I'm going to switch it up a little bit because I can. Um, upcoming conferences. I'm moving into the front of the of the podcast because we have a couple of upcoming events, and Tony will be at at least one of them. Um, the GLC Winter Conference is in Miami. That's January 22nd through 24th. Producer Brian is giving me the dirtiest look right now, by the way, because <laughs> I'm switching it up. SampleCon, which Tony Brown, you'll be at, I think. And SampleCon is coming up February 3rd through 5th in Atlanta. You'll be at SampleCon. I, I will be. And can is it too early to make an announcement about SampleCon? The, uh, what are your announcement? Oh. Oh, yeah. So as part of the statement I read earlier about Adam, I will be joining the board of SampleCon. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That that's This is all very new, by the way, and I'll be joining the board. But that's pretty soon. I'll be there Super Bowl Sunday. I'm not sure what to do about Super Bowl Sunday in Atlanta, Georgia. But yeah, I'm super excited to kind of I've been going to SampleCon my whole ever since it existed. So I'll be taking more part in it, hopefully, if they won't block me yours. You know, it's you two weeks a short trip from Miami. I think you can make it there and back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The, so the if you're in Florida, um, there's a conference in Florida. It's a small little winter conference for the Great Lakes chapter of the Inside Association. I would recommend going. Um, so let's get into the market research news. First story that we thought was interesting was Facebook fined 1.6 million dollars in Brazil for data misuse. And um, I think this is a story. This won't be the first or last time we hear about data misuse with the current climate. Um, 443,000 Facebook users were improperly made available to developers in some app called This Is Your Digital Life. Um, Tony Brown, uh, any thoughts on this? Yeah, it's, it is. You're right. I mean, it's, it's amazing. There's been so many uh, lawsuits, fines, if you will, um, filed against Facebook, especially within 2019. Uh, and obviously this is the first one to come out for this year. Uh, it doesn't seem to really be slowing down everything. I mean, so this particular one, uh, so Bloomberg reports that um, that this one is also related to the Cambridge Analytica scandal, although I think there's some, there's some debate about that. Um, Facebook said, you know, there's no evidence uh, that the data from Brazil users was transferred to Cambridge Analytica, but I, mean, I guess that that remains to be seen as they as they go through some some investigation. But um, yeah, so it alleges that the, the, the privacy policies of this is your digital life app were misleading or unclear to users. And it gave the app um, access to data, not only of your friends on Facebook, but to friends of friends. So it's pretty far reaching and okay. it's scary to think how, you know, viral, if you will, that that access can go if you're not paying attention to the, to the policies. So it's, it's um, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, this will, yeah, 1.6 million in Brazil. It's not a huge story, but I think it, it speaks to the kind of the bigger picture. Um, one of them is around privacy. Our industry is going through, I mean, CCPA just came into effect a few days ago, um, the California Consumer Privacy Act, and that affects everybody in our entire industry. And then also, I think it really affects like the climate of marketing and research as well in that, you know, I think I saw a grit report last year that said that people don't trust marketing research very well. And, you know, we need people to agree to things and to take surveys and to give us feedback on things. And things like this will further erode, I think, people's trust, maybe not in marketing research, but in allowing 
things to happen to them or sharing things. So I think it's about the bigger picture. This um, a little bit worried about it because again, I think this is going to happen a lot um, over the next year at least here in America. I imagine that this is not going to be the first time we see a headline that says Facebook fined X amount of dollars for data misuse this year. I mean, with CCPA, like you mentioned, you're going to have all everyone. They're a big fish. They're going to, they're going to get lawsuits. Plus you have GDPR, which has been into effect. So it's not going to be surprising. And it just seems like every so often you see, Oh, this app from Facebook or that, this link to it caused this data. I mean, if you've joked around, right? my wife was actually talking about a vacation with my parents, wasn't on the phone, but then was started getting those kind of ads on Facebook. Oh, yeah. So at this point, you have to assume they're listening. They're going to get the data. Yeah, so- it's it's amazing. I, that's always been one of those, um, you know, conspiracy. I'll call it a conspiracy theory, but I'm not even sure it's a conspiracy theory theory anymore because I've had a lot of the same experiences where I'm, you know, my, my cell phone's on my desk and I'm talking uh, about something. And next thing you know, that same topic comes up as an ad, uh, uh, you know, on a web page that I see or or a Facebook ad. It's, it's really pretty scary. But um, one time I was speaking of work, I was talking to a, to a client about um, a very niche B2B um, job title uh, in a very particular industry. And can we target that? Can we, can we you know, find those people? And uh, so that's it. It was just a phone conversation. And then a week later I saw uh, an ad for that exact same job title, um, like hiring, you know, hiring this title, you know, look for jobs here. And uh, I thought, wow, how in the world, it was just too much of a coincidence uh, or too, too, too unique to be a coincidence. Yeah, completely agree. By the way, Tony, I don't, know if, I don't know if I told you this, but CCPA, for those of you that aren't aware of it, I think most people are, but um, that's the Privacy Act for companies that are headquartered or do business with Calif- yeah. residents of California, which affects marketing research. On January 1st of this year, when that law went into effect, I reached out to Amazon, Google, Apple, and I think there's one, Facebook, all four of them, and requested my information. So that's what you can do if you're a California resident. You can um, ask the companies to give you basically everything they know about you, and they have a certain amount of time to do it. So I've tested it. I think it might be a good blog or presentation or something to see how they react to that. But that's what I did yeah. on January 1st. Have they responded to you yet? Yeah, they, they, I did get some canned responses. Amazon, by the way, this is kind of breaking news. Um, had the best process in place for CCPA. So I went through um, their website and said, hey, I want my information. And at first, the guy didn't know what I was talking about. But clearly, it got escalated. And they emailed me and said, please click here to confirm you know, this. And then I did. Then I got like a form a response back that said, thank you for your response. We're compiled this data. Typically, it could take 30 days. Other ones didn't have the process in place, but I intentionally did it on January 1st, <laughs> knowing that was the first day of the law. So it wasn't even fair. And by the way, I'm not a California resident. It doesn't even apply to me, but I'm assuming that the, these you know, these processes and policies they put in place is probably for everyone, not just residents. But anyway, that's what I did. Tell well, me. that's uh, only you, Brian. <laughs> but that's great. No, I applaud you for that. But uh, that's yeah. something that you would do. I was going to ask yeah. if they were if you clicked the link and it required you to uh, install This Is Your Digital Life. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's, I do that as well. Sometimes I'll oh, this looks cool. That'll be good. that'll be a good blog. I'll I'll, I'll download yeah. it. But no, yeah, yeah this is the a big scary topic. thing is I mean, you know, a, a lot of younger people are are 
I'm going to say the majority users of all kinds of social media, obviously. I mean, adults of all ages use use it, but uh, younger generations especially. And so um, just them and that, sort of that natural trusting and not really aware of what's what's out there, what you know, how that data can be, um, you know, uh, taken advantage of. I mean, right. you've got so, and it's crazy too, because you've got a lot of, I mean, a lot of, when we think of fines and Facebook, you know, lawsuits, et cetera, a lot of it is, uh, you know, they're um, disclosing or allowing disclosure of, a lot of personal information or, or, you know, access to ads that might be misleading based on a certain demographic, what have you. Um, but you, so you've got that kind of a focus, but just in October, there was even a, a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit filed by advertisers against Facebook because they were alleging that uh, Facebook was misrepresenting how many consumers were using the platform and viewing videos, uh, misrepresenting that number to advertisers as a way to really inflate the, you know, the exposure that they would have if they're wanting to pay for ads. So uh, you've got it kind of both ways. Uh, and I know Facebook is, I mean, certainly the, the biggest platform, so it gets the most press, but I, mean, I think it serves as a warning to, to all of us to be careful what you download, careful what you agree to in the digital world. Um, and I've heard said before, you know, if you're not paying for the product or service, you are the product or service. So and keep that in mind. Yep. Absolutely. Well said. And by the way, most, most of our sample providers are building their uh, panels through Facebook and many of them are. So it's very common for people to kind of use Facebook to build their, cause they have really good targeting, by the way. Um, let's move on to the next story. Sir Martin Sorrell, a name from the past who's still been in the news a lot lately, um, is going to be a speaker at the Insights Association CEO Summit in Miami, which is coming up. It's like in a week and a half. Um, that's in Miami on January 20th to 22nd. Sir Martin Sorrell was just announced as a speaker. Tony, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you know, that's really exciting uh, a choice for him, for him as a speaker. I mean, uh, 33 years as a CEO of WPP, uh, and now I think heading up S4 Capital, which is a digital ad and marketing platform. And I mean, he's you know he's a person who's seen so much um, change and growth during his tenure there at WPP, not only for that company uh, but for the industry as well. So I think it's a great choice uh, as a speaker. I know I think this summit it, um, is designed for small and, and like medium. Um, insights firms. So uh, as a lot of those companies are trying to grapple with all of the innovation and change happening in our industry, uh, I think his you know, his insight will be really, really valuable to hear. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I think that's a, a coup for the Insights Association to get him. Um, I've heard from people that is one of the best conferences of the year. Um, it's sold out. I think it sold out weeks ago. Um, but having him as a speaker, I don't know if Melanie Courtright, who's the new um, as the president of the Insight Association, yeah. CEO of the Association, yeah, one of the two. But I wonder, I, I assume they had a relationship of some sort. But yeah, I completely agree. It's good to see him kind of get in the forefront. He's made a lot of acquisitions, made a lot of moves. He's been in the industry for a long time. And getting him to a CEO conference where it's very relevant, someone like him speaking in front of that group of people, I think is just outstanding. And it's not necessarily one of the big ones in the industry. Right. It's not your IIEXs or your quirks or any of those, or TMREs or any of those. It's a more smaller, more intimate one. So this is a coup for them. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'll, I will be there a couple of days later. Yeah, you will. <laughs> they intentionally put the Great Lakes chapter um, winter conference right around the CEO conference to see if they can get a few more people. Smart. Yeah, super smart. 
Um, next story, Dynata. By, by the way, Dynata is always in the news. Dynata, along with Blockchain Valley Ventures and Metasys Limited, they invested $2.6 million in Measure Protocol. I think that's a big number. Uh, Tony, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it was really exciting to see that. I think uh, many people um, listening may not know, um, we here at EMI made an investment in Measure Protocol last year because we see such a promise in, in blockchain as a technology, uh, certainly as it applies now to the MR space. And we think uh, Measure is quickly emerging as a leader of that offering in the MR space. So it's exciting to see other providers um, like Dynata and others also contributing this year. It's, it's further validation that I think others see promise in this innovation and it's, it's exciting to see how things will continue to take shape. You, Brian, you um, can you share a little bit? Because you've tested with uh, our IntelliBlend methodology. You've begun yeah. testing some of that or maybe give a little rundown for people who don't quite understand measure protocol or blockchain, how it applies to, to research and sample. Tony, you're setting hey. me up, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so we've known Measure for a while. Great guys at Measure Protocol, and we know they listen to the podcast. We made a certainly not anywhere near the investment that that Dynata made, but we were happy to invest in uh, our way. Um, but yeah, so I do research and research among um, most of the network of panels that we offer and sell, and many of them that we don't sell. So I test a lot of them that we potential sample providers or maybe have a list or maybe want to get into sampling. And part of our role, I think, at EMI is to help um, non-traditional research uh, sample providers um, get best practices and improve their methodology and um, do things that help their respondents and help clients. And so we advise them all the time. But we did, yes, we tested um, Measure Protocol in the latest wave. Um, the early results were outstanding. And so I'm, I have a meeting with them in um, Atlantic SampleCon. The Paul Netto will be at SampleCon, by the way. I have a meeting to kind of go into detail with them. But we're happy to test um, sample providers and compare them. That's that's one of the unique things that we offer here is that we'll test you. And it's not just a test uh, for your quality. It's a lot of behavioral and attitudinal differences because – I can really nerd out here, but most panels are very different. They're not good or bad, but they're very different. And so what, what we can do is we can give feedback to, to measure protocol and say, hey, here's how you're kind of different than others. Here's how you're the same. Here's how maybe you could leverage that. And so, yeah, we'll be giving that feedback to them pretty soon. And we've taught, we've traded emails and texts with the guys. They are, they've said they want to come on the podcast whenever they're in town next time. So Yeah, we need to get them on the podcast because they're awesome. Again, they're awesome guys. If you don't know the Measure Protocol people, you you should. Or you will hear from them soon because now that they have a little bit of money, you'll probably see um, a lot of more marketing push. Um, You'll see more news from them as they start to do more side-by-sides and probably some white papers I'm expecting. I don't know. I don't have any inside knowledge or anything. By the way, I also downloaded this app. I'm a member of Measure Protocol. They owe me a couple couple dollars because one of the cool things I love about the blockchain, by the way, um, blockchain technology, the, most of the panels that offer it, they tend to incentivize as soon as the survey is over, yeah. which is very unique in our industry, Tony, you know this, is that I, I take a survey and they say, hey, you take this, it's a dollar. I finish the survey. I have a dollar in my PayPal account, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. So um, yeah, big investment for Dynata. Um and for blockchain, I think that we did a predictions blog recently, and blockchain was a part of that. We kind of missed, I think we were a year ahead of the big blockchain. We really listened to the hype too much, but people were in development in 2019. Now, 
people are beta testing, people are launching, and people are getting funding like this where they can start putting together more marketing and getting out in the industry and attend conferences. And I think this is the year where it's really going to explode. And it's going to put a lot of pressure got a question. on the more traditional I got a question parts. for you, though. I'm going to ask you to totally make a prediction. Here. This is totally off. Yeah, we're totally yeah. off script here now. But Oh, boy, here we uh, go. <laughs> so That's all right. You've been in the industry it's a long a time as well, and you can remember the promise of mobile. And we saw all kinds of emerging uh, technologies and platforms and even mobile-only panels uh, saying you know, mobile is the future of, of online quant research. You know, panels are dead, uh, you know, and everybody sort of hit the panic button. And that was, what, maybe six, seven years ago? And, uh, and yes. here we are today where, you know, there's still yep. surveys that are not, you know, mobile friendly. Uh, certainly mobile is a, is a, has been a huge growing part and a lot of mobile panels uh, and survey apps have made, you know, huge advances. So the, certainly the technology has, has matured, but, you know, it's not nearly um, replaced uh, in any kind of, you know, traditional online quant. So right. as we look now to things like blockchain, what are your thoughts in terms of, I mean, certainly it is a buzz, but it's still much, very much its infancy. It's yet to even really be proven. Um, but we, we think, based on everything we know, we think it's, it's got a lot of promise. But what, what do you think, what are your predictions on, you know, how quickly this will become um, part of the mainstream when we talk about sampling in this industry? Yeah, so that's a great question. That's, that was kind of the big question, I think, of the past year and a half. Is it going to just be kind of a hot topic? And I think it was just a buzzword for a while. Was Everybody was talking blockchain. Um, is it going to kind of be like the buzzword like mobile was six, seven years ago, like you mentioned, and then fizzle out? I don't think it is. I think it's going to, number one, I think you'll see it explode the next year and a half. And then number two, I think it's going to put pressure, increased pressure on the more traditional panels. And a lot of it is because um, in sampling, we, the whole industry has a challenge around validation and quality. Right. And it's, this is not a big surprise. Anybody that does research, <laughs> we've struggled. Every, and there's nobody that's perfect at it, by the way. There's another secret for you. Nobody has perfect quality and nobody has perfect validation. Um, but everybody is trying to improve and everybody's invested a ton of money in it. But nobody's perfected it. Some are better than others. But the validation and the quality has just been troublesome for the past few years. And we can talk all day long about why that is. I think that blockchain technology is allowing, um, is partnering with other technology that improves the validation of respondents. And so you kind of have to go through a different steps to get validated for some of these like Veriglyph and Measure Protocol. And there's others or Citizen Mean. There's others that you can download and learn more about. The validation is a little more stringent and time consuming, but the benefit for the user, the respondents would be an increased incentive. Um, and also typically the third party data, which people like I connected um, for Ubdi, that's another one. Another Ubdi is another one that's out there that most people haven't heard of, but I think you will hear, hear, hear soon. But you can connect. I mean, I'm a crazy person, as you know, Tony, but I connected my bank account to the Ubdi app. I connected my Facebook, my Twitter, my um, all kinds of different third parties, and it'll, it'll share my data. And at the end of every survey that I take, it asks me, it'll tell me who the end client is. It'll say, hey, the person sponsoring the survey is blank. And if you want to share your data, click here. If not, that's okay. You don't have to. And so all of those reasons, I think it'll really emerge and improve our industry, which we really need. Um, 
Okay, Brian Curtis just wrote me a note that says I have Twitter, but I, I don't really use it. I have to go to Twitter. But anyway, that, that was me rambling for a long time, Tony. To answer your question, yeah, I think that I think it's really going to explode in the next year and a half. And I, in some ways, I kind of hope it does because as an industry, gathering insights and opinions of people, we need it. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, completely. I mean, you know, it used to be we struggled with our people going to give their honest feedback? Are they going to give their honest and thoughtful feedback on surveys? And while that's still, that's always been the case, no matter whether it's online or phone or in person, but are they, uh, now we've got with the advent of so many technologies, good or bad, we've got, um, you know, the issues of, of bots and bot farms and things of that nature aren't even humans trying to take surveys. So um, not to get off topic too much, but that whole additional piece of, of, of the puzzle that we're trying to solve for and block against. So, you know, this certainly the blockchain promises, at least we know we'll be getting legitimate people um, in, into our surveys as opposed to anything else. So now whether they take their time to answer truthfully or, or thoughtfully, that's another topic, but uh, at least this is continuing to solve and really nail down um, solutions for that part of the, of the data quality puzzle. Yep. So, and I completely agree. And you know, I didn't mention Vericliff. Vericliff is another somewhat blockchain-oriented solution that is more of an industry-wide solution where people are kind of all, a lot of different sample providers are getting together and they're coming up with a collective solution to offer the industry. Well, that'll emerge as well this year. Uh, but I do think you know I'm doing a lot of pie in the sky. Um, that, oh, this blockchain is going to solve all our problems. That's not going to happen. They're going to go through their own challenges and growing pains. And can they scale to the needs of the research that we that we need? Um, that's going to be a big question. Yeah, scale is the key. I mean, it's, we've got to have that critical mass of of enough people um, through a blockchain platform or platforms that uh, that we can reach out to for all of the various different types of target audiences, not just consumer, but even B two B. And uh, you know, like I do, how you know more and more challenging. Uh, uh, I should say how more and more specific clients need their audiences to be. Um, it's uh, Nobody's looking for a small business owner anymore or an IT decision maker anymore. I mean, they're very, very specific kinds of, of audiences, um, decision-making authority, products they use, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that they're looking for. And consumer just as complicated. So we're not dealing with uh, today um, this, this quote-unquote simple kinds of audiences that we need needed, you know, even three years ago. It's right. very, very, very uh, specific these days. And, and as, as we go uh, further and further, the blockchain hopefully looks to um, solve for that. But yeah, it's we got to get that, that critical number of people, uh, of, of universes to reach out to. Yep. And yeah, to quickly summarize, it's I'm happy that, uh, you know, Dynata, which probably still has the biggest name in sampling in our industry, despite their name change, um, is invested in it. And it seems like they agree with Tony and I, what we're saying and think the future of blockchain is at least a pretty decent sized investment for them. So um, I'm sure we'll hear more. Okay, let's move on. We're going to move to the next segment, um, which is we're going to do the four P's with hey. Tony. So for, for the listeners, uh, we typically do with when we have guests and get to know you type situations like this, we take the marketing mix of the four P's and we kind of switch it around a little bit. And so I'll ask Tony a few questions here and then who knows what he's going to say because I don't have any prep here, but um, we'll ask the four P's. So the first P is playlist. Um, what are the last three songs or artists that you've listened to? Well, I, uh, I listen to music a lot, uh, especially like in the car, but... 
where I really listen to playlists are uh, typically at the gym. And so <laughs> my playlist is going to be sort of a, a workout playlist. Um, no, it's not. doesn't include jock jams. I know you're probably thinking that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I am of a certain generation where 80s uh, big hair bands were a thing. And so that's kind of my uh, the way I get pumped uh, to go to the gym. But so my playlist is really going to be kind of that. But uh, so it was uh, uh, Enter Sandman from Metallica. Uh, and then I had two back to back. I had Back in Black from ACDC and then Thunderstruck from ACDC. That was those are the last three that I was listening to um, when I was uh, when I was at the gym. So, yeah, that's uh, sort of very, very slanted toward toward that kind of environment. Oh. No, those are good. And first of all, um, you mentioned Enter Sandman by Metallica. My 17-year-old is a huge Metallica fan. He's he's trying to go to all their shows. They've announced like giant shows in 2020 that he's going to go to. And we listened to ACDC yesterday when we were picking the new, um, or maybe it was two days ago, listen, picking the new podcast music. ACDC was sort of on the list. So those are good choices. Tony, I have one follow-up question for you on that. Being someone who also goes to the gym pretty frequently is this your cardio playlist or is this your weightlifting playlist? <laughs> this is my weightlifting playlist. All right. Well, this is probably a good moment for me to bring up Tony Brown, what he does every year. And we've awarded him most attractive family in the office seven years running. And we just recently got your Christmas card, which just, by the way, Tony Brown has a, a big family, beautiful family. Since on a Christmas card every year, we didn't get it by like December 20 this year. So we all complained to him when we're we getting our Christmas card. And so we got it this year. And once again, um, I can announce it on the podcast as being official. You are the official most attractive family at EMI. Maybe we'll tweet out the picture. I don't know. We'll have to get Tony to sign off on that off the air. I'm not signing off on that. <laughs> no, but we, you know, I give, I give you a hard time about that. Um, but we love the Christmas card that you sent every year. Uh, thank you. That's uh very kind of you and and uh, very awkward. I don't even know what to say, but that's... Let's, let's, let's just move, move on. on. Let's move on to the next P, which is perform. What is uh, something people don't know about you or hidden talent or something we don't know about you? Well, I... Uh, unfortunately, this is not something I can get, get to as much as I'd like to anymore, but uh, throughout a lot of my life, I was a huge... Um, uh, bicyclist and uh, I've ridden my bicycle all, all over the place. Uh, my dad was the one as a as a child who got me really interested in in, in biking because he used to like to do it too. But I've been on multiple uh, like century rides, which are hundred mile rides at a time. Um, yeah. We did a um, ride across uh, Indiana, it goes from from west to east, and uh, that's all in one it's all in one go in one day, and that's one hundred and sixty three miles, I think it is. So. Um, that's something that, uh, yeah, I, I'd love to get out and do and put on put on the miles when I when I can. The sad thing is now I, with you know um, full time job and family and everything else, it's it's hard to carve out that much time because obviously it takes a while to ride that long. So um, it's always, but yeah, right. I love it. I, I got my wife uh, really into it, um, and so we don't ride that far anymore. But it's nice to just get out and in the summer months and and uh, so yeah, that's a big big love of mine. Well, that's awesome, and. Um... But by the way, do you know there's a big bike trail that I hear about in Indianapolis? They're modeling the Cincinnati version of it. Do you ride on that? Oh, like the like a mountain bike trail or the or the no a road bike trail that maybe goes around the city. Oh yeah, well the, yeah, they have the Monon Trail. So like the the Monon yeah, yeah the sort of converting like a lot of cities are converting a lot of old railroad lines to um, to walking cycling paths and um, 
And so, yeah, that we can, that's actually not too far from our house. We can actually take that from, like I said, our Northern suburb all the way down, um, way into the city. And, and we do that a lot too. Right. So uh, I don't know if you knew this. I was a big cyclist for a while. And the reason was, as you, I'm going to sound old as well, but I had arthritis ah. and I played sports my whole life, but then my joints started hurting and I didn't know it was arthritis because who thinks when your joints start at 32 that you have arthritis, but what it turned out was that, and they said, do some low impact exercise and biking and swimming are the two best low impact exercises. So I was obsessed with biking for a long time. Yeah, it's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, next P is pride. What is your biggest source of pride or your biggest accomplishment? You know, I would have to say, speaking of my family, uh, just really, really proud of uh, the ability for us to, we do have a big family. We are a blended family and uh, we are, uh, all of our kids, we've got only one that's 18. He's our youngest uh, and is uh, one semester away from leaving the nest and going off to college. He'll be, he'll be our last one, but everybody else is in their uh, early to mid twenties. And so it's, uh, uh, you know, not easy to uh, have that many <laughs> young adults that are all coming together yeah. and certainly from maybe different original backgrounds, but coming together as a, as a family and, and blending that. So I'm really proud of, uh, what, what, uh, you know, the ways my wife and I have worked to, um, you know, uh, involve everybody, um, um, incorporate this big, crazy family. And now we've got people living in different cities and, and, uh, trying to coordinate times to make sure we all spend time together, uh, whenever we can. Um, and the way they all get along has been, um, has been a great thing to see. Not been easy, but, um, very rewarding. And that's, as I look back on, um, um, you know, my children and, and how we've brought them up and, um, the, uh, the early, um, adult lives there beginning. It's, it's really exciting to see. So I'd say that's my, my biggest, uh, biggest sense of accomplishment there. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. And I, every time you're in town, you talk about your family and visiting your different children. So I've always been super proud of you for, for that as well. And it's such a role model, I think that you guys have done that. And so, um, that's awesome. Um, last P, which is a new P we haven't done this P before podcasts, uh, I'm assuming that during all of your bike riding and lifting weights and running and driving around, you probably listen to some podcasts. So what are a couple of podcasts you like? Well, Brian, other than the uh, IntelliCast podcast, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and the recently poll party. Yeah, right. Uh, well, I've got a couple that I really do like, and I you know listen to these typically when I'm like, yeah, outside doing yard work or whatever. Um, but uh this American life is a great one. Uh, I think the host is Ira Glass on that one. And there's all kinds of different stories of Americana, different, uh, different people from different walks of life. And, and they just talk about their lives, their situations, um, you know, what struggles they've had, what things they've learned. And it's just ordinary people. Um, it's sort of like a reality TV show on a podcast, but it's, uh, uh, it's great because it just, you know, th there's something that no matter what kind of story, no matter what kind of audience or group that they're, he's talking to, um, I always find, you know, some, you know, some connection there to, to somebody, um, whether it be what they've been through, what they're, what they're doing, what they like. And I think that's really what I love about that podcast is because it, it um, it reminds me that, uh, especially in this crazy turbulent country that we live in now, um, as divisive as it can be that, you know, Hey, we, we all have a lot of things in common. And, uh, at the end of the day, we're all human and we all want basically the same things for ourselves and for the people that we love and, and, and for this country. So, um, it, it's, it's a neat, uh, it's a neat, 
a very subtle reminder to, to, you know, let me know, Hey, we're all, you know, we're all part of the same thing. Uh, another one I like is, um, just from a, from a business perspective is the, the, uh, McKinsey podcast. And, uh, that's great because it covers all kinds of different things from different emerging technologies like blockchain, blockchain, we already talked about, um, uh, emerging markets, um, different types of economics, uh, systems, what, what have you. So, um, it's really, really insightful to listen to, to that. There's always something different there. It's funny too. The guy that the host of that, uh, is a, is a British guy, really, um, very classic, uh, academic British accent and his name, right. ironically enough, his name is Simon London. So what better name than okay. Simon right. London to be, uh, right. leading something. But yeah, those are, those are two that I, I subscribe to and listen to regularly. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's a good one. Um, I was just sorting through what I listen to and I'm kind of embarrassed. I only listen to either sports podcasts or like true crime yeah. podcasts. Oh, those are good too. I don't see a lot of true crime stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like that. All right. For your true crime podcast, which one? Give oh, your top one. The top one I've been listening to lately is called Bardstown. And it's a crime podcast in Bardstown, Kentucky. There's Bardstown, Kentucky is a small town in central Kentucky near, near where I grew up that had five unexplained murders in like a three-year period. And they're all kind of interrelated somehow. And so it's just kind of talking through that case. It's still unsolved. And this is pretty recent. So Bardstown. I'm with you. I listened to some true crime ones. Um, the local one here from Cincinnati yeah, Fire Accused, really good. Yeah. I also sports, mostly hockey podcasts. <laughs> right. I'm one of the two people who like hockey in the office. <laughs> yep. And then, I am not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then I like some comedy podcasts. Yeah. So uh, middle of somewhere, I'm going to give that one. That one's a great one. Awesome. All right. Well, that's the four P's with Tony and um, – Normally we would do a rant of the week segment. I don't have a rant this week, but Tony, do you have a rant this week? You don't have to. I'd put you on the spot here. Do you have a rant? Anything you want to complain about? You, you, you were so positive there. I'm not even going to ask you. No rant for Tony. We ended on a positive note. I'm not going to even give you a chance for a rant. I'm just going to close it down. Uh, season three, episode one. Thank you for listening so much, and hopefully you'll continue to listen. We'll have a different guest on each week for the next few weeks until we try to figure out what kind of clicks and what doesn't. We really want your feedback, though, so email us at intellicast at emi-rs.com. Follow us on Twitter at EMI underscore research or Intellicast1 on Twitter. And you can call us at 513-401-5463. You can also text us. And again, upcoming conferences will be in, I'll be in Miami on January 22nd to the 24th for the Great Lakes chapter of the Insights Association Winter Conference. And SampleCon, February 3rd through 5th in Atlanta, Georgia. It'll be myself, Tony Brown, Mary Draper, who manages our love partner network and our owner slash CEO, Michael Holmes, will be making an appearance. So all four of us will be there. And again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.